We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. And welcome to another edition of the X-Zone, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, X-Zone at xzoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, X-Zone Radio TV. And to find out the broadcast schedule for the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for the X-Zone TV channel on Simul TV, www.simultv.net. Exonation, my guest this hour is Ellen Malloy, and Ellen's intuitive adventure began when she had a mystery illness that led her to seek numerous alternative healing therapies. The search ended with a diagnosis of severe gluten intolerance and the discovery of Reiki therapy. Ellen became a psychic suddenly after taking a Yusui Reiki 2 class in February 2003. It took Ellen a year to accept and appreciate the gift and to learn how to effectively use the ability. Joining me now is our guest this hour, uh, this hour Ellen Malloy. And Ellen, welcome to the Exxon. Oh, thank you, Rob. Welcome. To, thank you for having me. It's my great pleasure. Now, tell me of this, this illness and, and how it affected you. And is there any way of knowing why you became psychic after this? I believe that I was psychic as a child, Mm -hmm. but I had, my parents used to tell these stories of how I had these imaginary friends that I would talk to, but I didn't have any recollection of this until after I became psychic. And I just figured it was just some funny little thing I would do. Well, when I got sick, I was around 26, 27 years old. Um, What I found out later was that when people have the genetic predisposition for gluten intolerance, You have to be eating gluten, and then you have to have a trigger event, which is usually something stressful. For me, that ended up being a huge promotion. I was at the time what would be considered a corporate project manager. Mm -hmm. And so I was a young female in a male-dominated field, and it was stressful. It was fun, though. I I was good at what I did, and I had a good time. But I suddenly found that I was becoming dizzy at work, and I was losing hair, and I had all kinds of strange symptoms at first, doctors said, oh, you, uh, you're a young executive. You're stressed out. Take yoga. And I thought, okay. So I took yoga classes. That did not help my hair from falling out whatsoever. And, um, and then eventually I ended up developing, um, I, I started to have kidney problems, liver problems, and heart problems. And then they realized, wow, there really is something wrong with you. Um, however, by that point, they still couldn't diagnose me. And I was just extremely lucky that I was at a Christmas party one year and a a doctor from Korea came up to me and said, "Um, we do facial diagnosis in Korea and you're very ill. And I said, I am. And she said, come to my office on Monday and I'll tell you what's wrong with you. And I thought, oh, wow, okay. So I did. And she's the one who diagnosed me. And I was super lucky, um, you know, that I heard that from her. And then I ended up getting into Reiki and other alternatives. So 
what kind of psychic abilities or psychic gifts do you have? Well, <clears throat> when we think of psychic gifts, there's around six that mm -hmm. people think of. There's sight, which right. is being able to see, um, you know, apparitions or, or see in the mind's eye, um, clairvoyance, third eyesight, if you will. And then there's sort of extrasensory hearing, extrasensory feeling, extrasensory smell, extrasensory taste, and extrasensory knowing. So I have all of them. But I have a couple that are really strong. So my knowing is very strong and my seeing is very strong. So I can see dead people. I can see dead animals. I can see angels. I can see fairies. You know, pretty much anything. I can see into other dimensions. and I can see into other – I can see past lives and all kinds of whatnot. Here you are, 33 years old. You've, you were part of corporate America. Yep. Totally apart from the psychic realm. Yes. How did you adapt to seeing dead animals, you know, using your psychic gifts, seeing angels, fairies, and not, so on? Not well, really. Um, when it first happened, mm -hmm. I was so befuddled. I really, I couldn't even, I was just so shocked. I honestly had never given other realms, angels, dead, I had never, never given it much thought. Um, I'm kind of left brain. And so I was just sort of focused on my career and where I wanted to go next and goals. And all of a sudden I've got just paranormal all the time. It was really shocking. Um, I was actually a little bit afraid. Maybe I was, had some late onset mental illness. And uh, I told my husband, I said, um, look, if you need to put me in a mental hospital or something, just let me know because I, I don't know how, where this is going to go. And I just want to say it to you now while I'm able to communicate. And he just said, Ellen, you're not doing anything weird. You're just seeing a bunch of weird stuff. He said, if you're running around the neighborhood naked or something, I'd be freaked out. He goes, but you're, <laughs> he said, you're just seeing strange things. Sure. Um, so, and I, but I didn't know anybody else who was um, authentically psychic. I mm -hmm. had a couple friends in college who had abilities, but we didn't really discuss it that much because it just wasn't my, it wasn't my thing. So I didn't ever get into it. But um, the only person who I knew was remotely odd was my yoga teacher. And I called that poor lady and said, look, I think I'm seeing psychic stuff. Do you know anybody who's authentically psychic? And she said, well, there's this one lady. I said, OK. So I called this lady and I told her, I said, look, I'm a I'm a corporate person and I'm seeing dead people. And I I, I just want this to go away. And she said, oh, wow. Um, she said, well, let me put you on my waiting list. I never heard from that lady again. Huh. So that was not helpful at all. So I basically just bumbled my way through it for a year and a half trying to figure it out, hoping honestly that it would just go away. Um, and after, I guess, three or four months, I realized, okay, this is not going to go away. This is not going away. I have to find some way to live with this. And so I handled it the way I handle most everything else was to sort of logic it. So a dead person would show up and I would say, look, I get it. You need some kind of help. <laughs> But I am not the person who can help you. I am not clergy. Uh -huh. I am not trained in therapy. I am definitely not telling anyone I can see you. And so I would ask them to go away. I said, I'm sure there's somebody else out there who does this kind of work and can actually help you. And most of them would leave. They would just be look at me like, wow, okay, lady, thanks a lot. And they'd go away until one day I got someone who wouldn't. And that was really bizarre. I was getting ready to go to bed and this woman came in and she was yelling and I not had anybody come and yell at me. She also wasn't from this decade or maybe even era. 
and um, she was yelling. It was something to do with the murder, and she was starting to freak me out. And I was trying to give her my spiel, yeah. ma'am. I can't help you. I'm really sorry. You know, I know you got something going on, but she was having none of it. So she's yelling at me. My husband, who was um, intuitive, could sort of sense something was going on, but he didn't know what. He goes, "What is going on?" I said, "I've got this dead lady yelling at me," and he says, "Oh gosh, you know that's not good." So out of just sheer desperation, I just said, look, God, I need an angel or something. And bam, out of the corner of the room, giant angel, who I found out later was Archangel Michael, swooped down, took this lady away. And I thought, whoa, wow, A, I can get rid of dead people. B, wow, angels exist. And so that was how I dealt with dead people for a long time was... I just need an angel, and they'd take them away. Wow. So tell me, what was it like the very first time that you saw a dead person and you realized that you were seeing someone who was already dead? Oh, uh, that would have been the day that it happened because I I got the Reiki attunement, Mm -hmm. which is a sacred ceremony that they do to help you learn how to do spiritual healing. Right. And I felt disoriented after it. And I'd had these attunements before, and I never felt disoriented. So I knew something was wrong, and I actually thought maybe it was something I ate for lunch. I was like, oh, I just feel weird. And I remember telling my husband, I'm like, I'm just going to put the car seat back and just rest. So we drove home, and when I got home, that's when I realized I could see dead people. And Well, I didn't actually know what it was at first, and um, I later found out that some of the people I could see weren't dead at all. As a matter of fact, I discovered some of them were my neighbors, and, I, and they weren't dead. And what they were was um, sleeping at night. They would walk out of their bodies and go astral travel and I would see them and then I would realize wait what what's going on with these folks you know so it was uh, just very confusing in the beginning I would imagine uh, so but how I d- think for me I just mm-hmm. would go into just complete a stupefaction and just sort of sit there and what I would do is I would pray about it I just ask God I said look God I don't know why you've got this going on in my life but mm-hmm. if you want me to understand any of this you're going to have to explain it to me because I don't know what you want me to do with this or why I would have this or, you know, it just seemed completely incongruent with everything that was going on in my life. All right, stand by, Ellen. You and I have to take our first commercial break. And Exonation, our guest this hour is Ellen Malloy. And if you'd like to uh, find out more about Ellen, visit her uh, website at www.ellenmalloy.com. That's www.ellenmalloy.com. EllenMalloy.com, and uh, the website is spelled E-L-L-E-N-M-A-H-L-O-Y.com. Ellen and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2.00. 
Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Our guest this hour is Ellen Malloy. And if you'd like to find out more about Ellen, visit our website at www.ellenmalloy.com. So, Ellen, how do you tell or how did you learn how to differentiate between someone who was alive, someone who was having an out-of-body experience, and how, how someone was dead? Well... For me, the difference between a sort of a, if you will, a dead person, mm-hmm. living person is that the dead people for me are transparent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see through them. I can usually, I, sometimes I have a little bit of trouble making out features a little bit. So for instance, if someone has, say, red brown hair versus, I don't know, fully brown hair, I might have trouble. Or if they're wearing green or blue, I might have trouble telling which color it is because they're transparent. But I found out that a lot of other psychics actually see them solid. And I had a, I had a psychic come up to me at a conference and say, how can you tell the difference between them? And I said, between who? And she said, the dead and the living. And I was really shocked by that question. I said, well, for me, they're transparent. I said, how do you see them? And she said, they're the same. Hmm. And she was a nurse at a hospital. And she said she frequently would talk to dead people thinking they were alive. And then <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, that sounds super confusing. Um, with uh, as far as like different people who are out of body, like someone who's astral traveling, right? The way I can generally tell is that um, an astral traveler doesn't necessarily talk to me. Usually, I just see them sort of moving around. They're kind of off doing their own thing. They're almost like a um, in in a in a state of a uh, different altered state. Whereas usually, dead people will just come right up to me and start talking to me. Um, however, I discovered pretty quickly there are two different types of dead people and they're pretty distinct. One is someone who's died and has crossed over to the heavenly realms or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And they've come back. So they have gone through some sort of a process, if you will, and they're traveling back. And those people are usually very coherent. They're generally pretty peaceful, um, unless they've got, they're fired up about something, um, And then there's the other kind of people, and those we call ghost or earthbound spirits. And there's a whole bunch of different reasons why people can become earthbound, but those folks are generally discombobulated. So they are confused, upset. Some of them don't know what their own name is. They'll babble to me. you know. And those folks are not difficult to identify, generally, especially because if I go to a – if I, well, I'm in Virginia, so I'm in rich, near Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. so we have lots of historic sites. So if I go places, a lot of times I'll see people in Confederate clothing. You know, it's just very obviously not from this era. And then they're, um, you know, they're they're usually pretty confused. They don't know. They don't even realize it's a different era. You know, they don't know what's going on. Um, when they try to talk to me, they Sometimes their words are garbled and that kind of thing. But how do they know that you can see them and you can understand them? I don't know exactly because I'm not one of them. But I do know that they, the beings on the other side can identify those of us who can talk and recognize them, even if we don't fully understand them. They, it's something about our energy signature right. that broadcasts that. And then they start trying to, uh, to communicate. So... so if I find the the ghost, mm-hmm. if you will, usually I can very quickly and easily 
um, move them to the other side without anybody even being aware. So I'll just do that. But sometimes I can't. I'm not allowed to for whatever reason. So these these spirits, these ghosts who remain, mm-hmm. who who haven't gone and come back. Yep. Are they are they aware of that they're in a different time that they are no, no longer alive? No, not in some cases. Some cases they are, in some mm-hmm. cases they're not. Uh, so, for instance, I went to a – there's an old hotel called the Keswick, and I went there for an anniversary. Boy, that turned out to be super fun. That place is ghost-filled. I was seeing uh, some sort of Confederate general or somebody came and sat down at a table beside us, and he didn't even speak. And I don't know if he could speak or just didn't want to speak. I have no idea. But he just sat there and stared at me. So that was super romantic. Mm-hmm, um, and then when I went to go to the uh, room, I saw there were just tons of ghosts. We were on the upper floor, which was the servants' quarters in the day, and um, there were lots of them there. Why I don't exactly know, but I told them I said, "Look, here's the deal: if you want to be crossed over, come on to my room, and I will help you. If you don't, stay out of my room because I'm going to cross you over if you come in." And so, in the middle of the night, I felt a, a hand grab me. Um, and I, it kind of alarmed me. So I sort of jumped up and then I, and the guy was on the floor and he was, he, something happened to his legs. I don't know if he was shot or, or what exactly mm-hmm. happened to me. He was a soldier and he was grabbing my arm. He wanted me to cross him over, but he scared the bejesus out of me. So it just completely ruined my whole <laughs> romantic anniversary <laughs> evening, but I crossed him over, but he knew that he was stuck. Like he knew that he was from a different era and he was stuck and he didn't want to be there anymore. How do you cross them over? Well, I call their guardian angels because everybody has guardian angels. Even after you're dead, you still have guardian angels with you. And especially if you haven't crossed over. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what I do is I ask the guardian angels to take them. And, um, you know, it's, it's a whole bunch of different reasons why people won't cross over. Sometimes they're just shocked and traumatized by their death. Sometimes they're afraid that they'll be judged and sent to hell. Sometimes they're just ashamed of their life and they just don't, you know, they just won't, don't want to go. Sometimes they feel like they have unfinished business that they can somehow finish by staying here, um, which isn't really usually the case, but they'll try anyway. Um, so there's a whole bunch of reasons. I usually spend, have to spend time explaining to people, but most of the time I can get them to go. It almost sounds as if it's right out of Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg and uh, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that, except for nobody jumps in me. No way, no how. I'm not into that. Um, I did have a, a student. I teach uh, psychic development workshops, and I was in one, and we were we were doing readings, um, practice readings, and I was monitoring the class, and all of a sudden I saw a being try to jump into one of my students, like Whoopi Goldberg in the movie, right. yeah. and I was like, oh, no. I went over there and grabbed that thing and yanked it out and threw it out of the room. I was like, oh, my gosh. And the gal told me she's had that happen a bunch of times, and I said, Oh, no, 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 no. We cannot have that happen. <laughs> so, anyway, it's 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 pretty wild. A lot of the ghost shows on television mm-hmm. have a demonic or negative aspect mm-hmm. to them. Do you think that this is just sensationalism, or do you think that when it comes to demons and um, devils, it's part of your reality? It is. Um, I have... I did. I thought. Well, I I experienced some of it. Mm-hmm. I kind of more observed it. Right. And mm-hmm. I thought 
that if I never dabbled in anything dark or creepy, it would never dabble with me. Um, but I discovered later that that's really not the case. Uh, there's so much to that. That would be like, oh my gosh, 10 shows. But, um, yeah, there's a, there's definitely all kinds of beings. There's a, sometimes when I do spiritual healing, Mm -hmm. the only way that I can heal somebody is to go get soul fragmented parts that are, that are actually in the hell realms. And I'm a very avid, um, and experienced out of body traveler. So I can get there and get those parts and bring them back. Um, how come, how come you're not affected by the negativity in hell? I have been, um, I spent, oh my gosh, I spent several years combating the negativity and learning how to protect myself and disguise myself. And you can't even begin to imagine (laughs) it. Rob, it's been wild. (laughs) How would a person end up in hell? Well, actually, people don't end up in hell. Um, demons live in hell. That's their home. But what is a so, demon prior to being a demon? Um, I'm sorry, what is prior to being a demon? Well, for example, if demons yeah. live in hell, what were yeah. they before they became demons? I really don't know, but I think that predates um, our reality as we know it as humans. Would it be a different dimension? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just like there's a heavenly realm, Mm -hmm. there's a hell realm, there's a fairy realm, there's some sort of funky Middle Earth realm I went to one time by accident. Um, There's a a whole bunch of realms. Um, A lot of people don't realize that they think vampires don't exist, but vampires do exist. They're actually just fallen fairies. And they have their own realm, but they don't drink blood and they don't care at all about humans. Though the blood, I would imagine, is just a metaphor for a life force. It is, yeah. but they don't care about human life force. Human life force means nothing, nothing to them at all. Hmm. So they, don't, they don't even bother with humans. They could care less. We, we're pretty much ants to them. I've got about a minute before I have to go take my uh, break for the news. What about Ouija boards? Are they as dangerous as people believe they are? Well, a Ouija board is just a tool. Mm-hmm. And in the hands of someone who doesn't understand it, it could be very dangerous. Um, I would imagine that most people probably use it to dabble and think it's funny or fun or not real, but it opens portals and that's what it does. So if you open a portal into some completely, you know, if you luck out and let's just say you open a portal into a family of gnomes, no, it's not going to be dangerous. It's just going to be weird and silly and whatever. But if you open a portal into some place creepy, then yeah, you're you've just invited creepy in um so i i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend it <laughs> all right stand by ellen you and i have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour an explanation if you'd like to find out more about my guest this hour maybe can people book uh, appointments with you online yeah they can okay yep. so explanation go to www.ellenmalloy.com that's e-l-l-e-n-m-a-h-l-o-y.com And Ellen and I will be back as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology right here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from my broadcast center in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and Simul TV. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying... Thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for two fifty. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just two dollars. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome back, everyone. Ellen Malloy is my guest, and she lives in uh, Virginia with her husband, Jeff, their daughter, Penelope, Jeff's mom, Polly. They're two cats, two lizards, and one dog. Now, it's Christmas, for goodness sake. Shouldn't there be a partridge in a pear tree somewhere in that mix? <laughs> we do quite have a house full, I have to admit. But the dog is very tiny. It's less than five pounds. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Now, during the commercial break with the news, you and I were, were chatting, and you said that there is actually something that you can teach our listeners to kind mm-hmm. of uh, protect themselves against evil. Yes. Well, there's a, a variety of things, but one mm-hmm. of the easiest, quickest things to do is to ask for um, ask for Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit or God or whatever your term for the divine is to bless your body. Right. Because mm-hmm. what that does is it turns your body into holy water. And since the vast majority of the body is composed of water, mm-hmm. you become super unappetizing to dark beings. So that's just one of the easiest things that you can do. You have to repeat it, you know, once a week or so cuz you sweat and you, sure. you know, urinate and things like that. So you lose the holy water, if you will. But that's just one of the easiest things you can do. Having said that, mm-hmm. however, I don't want people to be freaked out. Most of these dark beings are not after everyday ordinary people. They really go after mostly just powerful people, people who have influence, people who have um, power over large groups. That's who they try to influence. They don't really care about your average everyday Joe. Based on your experience, and I would imagine the countless number of conversations that you've had with those who are on the other side, either mm-hmm. by by their own wish to return or those who just for some reason, remained and haven't gone to the other side yet. What happens to we humans when that time comes that we die and we shed the meat suit? (laughs) Well, actually, I found there's about four things that generally happen. There's a fifth one that's rare, but people are often, they go over, they cross Mm -hmm. over, usually their angels take them, and then they're offered the opportunity to either reunify with loved ones, that's really popular. Um, they want to see their parents or their, you know, whoever, siblings, people that have passed before them. Um, the other option is to go directly into devotion. And that means they go, bam, straight, don't pass ghosts, go straight to Jesus, go straight to God, whatever the Buddha, whoever it is that, that they, whatever their embodiment of the divine is, they'll go right. directly okay. into devotion. Um, the other option is to go directly into your uh, life review, which everybody does a life review, just when you do it and how you do it is different for each person. But most people start birth to death and they take breaks. So they might do pre-birth and a break, then infancy, then a break, then elementary school, then a break or whatever the case may be. Occasionally people do it in the reverse. They do it from the end of their life to the beginning. Sometimes they'll start somewhere in the middle. Like if they had some major life change in the middle of their life, they'll, they'll start there. But, but anyway, it takes years to go through the life review. You don't, you don't, um, do, the, the life review is not a reflection of your experiences. It's a reflection of all of how your, you affected everybody else. Oh, I see. 
Yes. So you experience how everything that every significant thing you said and did, not like if you chose a ham or turkey sandwich for lunch, nobody cares about that. But like every significant thing. Hold on there. Hold on. Hold on, you, hold on here. Yeah. What did you just say about a, a, a sandwich? What kind of sandwich was that? A ham or turkey. <laughs> okay, because that's exactly what I had for lunch. I had a ham sandwich and a turkey sandwich. Oh, how funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, the point is you don't, um, you don't review, a, mm -hmm. you know, uh, sort of minutia of your life. You're looking at all the major decisions and choices and the ways that you, the ways you embodied yourself in the world and how your character was and how your choices, your major choices were, how did they affect all of the people that you interacted with? So then you get to experience your life from the perspective of all of those people. Is reincarnation real? Yes, but it's not exactly how people think. It's not like, okay, Rob, you know what? I'll catch you in the next lifetime and you and me will be exactly the same. It's never quite the same. So we have what, what I call a high self or an, it's an oversoul. It's basically a huge aspect of us that is also part of God. And from that oversoul is created all these incarnational personalities. So there's an Ellen Malloy. So there will never be another Ellen Malloy after this one. Not one like me. There will be another some sort of a person, but not exactly the same way that I am. Do we return to the same plane? For example, do we return back here to Earth or would we be returning or being sent to uh, a different plane, a different dimension. How does that work? Do you have any idea? Yep. I have lots of ideas about that. As okay. a matter of fact, um, for instance, me, mm -hmm. I do what I call time stream jumping. So time stream jumping means that sometimes when I meditate or sometimes when I'm sleeping, I'm a lucid dreamer. So I'm right. a, a kind of a, in an awake state all night. Mm -hmm. And I've always been like that. I, I thought everybody dreamed that way, but apparently I'm mistaken. Special. Um, so, yes, yeah, special. There you go. So sometimes what happens is I'll be meditating or I'll be sleeping and I will time stream jump, which means all of a sudden I am in another version of me and I will be in another life that's very similar to this life, mm -hmm. except something's a little different. So sometimes I jump in and instead of cars, we have flying vehicles or like recently, my husband and I, we took our daughter to Virginia Beach for um, her birthday. Right. And I time stream jumped into a, another nearly identical Virginia Beach vacation, same husband, same hotel room, except my daughter was a son. And when I woke up, I looked at her and I thought, why is there a little girl in our room? And then I realized, oh, no, no, I just time stream jumped. You know, but I mean, it was that vivid. And sometimes I'll do it. I'll jump into both. My parents are deceased in this time stream. But then sometimes I'll jump into one where my one of my parents is alive or both of them are still alive. And then I come back and I realize, oh, no, no, they're not alive. So it's that vivid for me. But when I jump into them, I have no control. I cannot control the body. All I can do is see through the eyes. And um, yeah. does, does one's religious beliefs play a part in in the hereafter i mean besides the fact that i would imagine that the deity for many people may be different different uh, names but I, I would imagine that the central core deity is the one and same for everyone it, it is um i believe that 
the divine mm-hmm. shows up in different aspects depending on what it is you're trying to learn and how it is you're navigating the world and what kind of a culture you're experiencing right. in this lifetime and so forth. But once you get to the heavenly realm, the heavenly realm is enormous. And it's um actually the the best way I can describe it is did you ever see the movie What Dreams May Come? With Robin Williams a long time ago. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay. It's similar to that. It's it's extremely, extremely similar. There, I, There's another movie that I would describe as um, very similar also, which is the movie Constantine, which came out years ago as well. It had Keanu Reeves in it, and that they described a sort of a hell realm, and it looks very similar to that. Um, so whoever nailed those, uh, those um sets really got it right <laughs> because those are very similar but the the afterlife is just absolutely phenomenal my father showed up one time and he pulled me out of body and took me to his afterlife which was extraordinary and I didn't even know he could do that um so we showed up in his afterlife and he showed me where he lived which was kind of a hobbit house which I thought was funny but he explained <laughs> to me that you could live in anything you can make anything so if you want to live in a castle you can make a castle if you want to live in a log cabin you could do that what whatever you know if you wanted to live in a cloud you know house or something um and then he took me to a library my father loved to read so we went to this library, biggest library I've ever seen in my life, and just books, books, books. And he told me, he said, every book that's ever been written is in this library, even if it was burned or lost to time. And he pulled a book off the shelf, and it, it had some kind of, I don't know, hieroglyphics or something. I couldn't read it. And all of a sudden, it translated into English. And he said, this is what happens to every book in this library. He said, it doesn't matter the language. It will always change to the language you can read. Would the Akashic Records also be in that library? Nope, not at all. Akashic Records are a totally different thing. So uh, the first time I went to the Akashic Records, mm-hmm. um, everybody has a little different interface. Mine oddly looks like a spaceship, um, which I'm not that sci-fi, so I don't know why that <laughs> that is. But when I get in there, um, everybody kind of receives the records differently. So I only usually look at records that pertain to whoever it is I'm there to help. And um, and then I can sift through the records and I can tell which parts of the records I can read, which parts I can alter or not. And then if I need to alter something or want to help somebody, I can petition uh, to alter those things. Um, anyway, it's kind of complicated a little bit, but no, it's it's in a completely different place. This is the library for my father is in the heavenly realm. The Akasha records are in its own. I don't even know what to call it. Plane of existence. All right, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. When we come back, Ellen, I'd like to talk about my favorite topic, and that's oh. angels. <laughs> Exonation. Ellen Malloy is our special guest, www.ellenmalloy.com. And um, we've got a number of new shows starting here on the Exxon Broadcast Network in the next couple of months. But we're also opening up some new channels, so if you'd like to have your very own show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, either on our television side or our radio side, send an email to programming at xzbn.net. That's programming at xzbn.net. Or send it to me at exxon at exxonradiotv.com. I'm Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour. Don't go away.
And welcome back, everyone. Uh, Craig made a suggestion to me. He just fired it up here on my screen in front of me. It says, just use XZone at XZoneRadioTV.com if you'd like to contact us about having your very own show, either on the radio side, the TV side, or the radio TV side. So that's XZone at XZoneRadioTV.com. First of all, I'd like to thank our guest this hour for being with us, Ellen Malloy. Her website is ellenmalloy.com. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us here tonight. And I'd like to talk to you about my favorite topic. I've been doing this show for 30 years, and I believe in angels because I have seen an angel. And uh, do you find at the Christmas time more and more people are believing in angels? And do angels make themselves more present during the festive holiday season? Um, Well, I don't know. The angels are around all the time. Um, Everybody has one lead guardian angel that never leaves their side under any circumstances. And uh, everybody's got a little bit. I find that people have roughly between three and five angels. Some people have a lot more, and some people just have one for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, But most people, of course, aren't very tapped into them. And don't even think about them. But the angels are constantly communicating information and trying to be helpful and encouraging and supportive. But angels are bound by the laws of, um, of free will. So an angel cannot intervene in your life without your requesting it unless your life is threatened before it's time. And if that's the case, then the angel can do anything, bar none, to save you. Is that the little voice or that intuitive feeling we get that this is an angel trying to communicate with us or to help help prevent well, us from doing something Well, angels will try to communicate any way that you will receive it. So mm-hmm. some people, they get, you know, hunches, senses. Everybody has a truth indicator. For some people, it's their gut. Right. For some people, it's their mind. For some people, they can feel it in their skin or their hair. Right. Um, everybody's got an internal truth indicator, just not a lot of people listen to it. I, I was a police investigator for a number of years. And when I was interviewing a suspect, yep, I would get the gut feeling when I knew they were lying. Yep. Or they were just evading. They were, they were holding something back. And yes. I, so I know that is real as well. It is. It is. As a matter of fact, I find that there are certain professions where that's very high. Um, it's pretty high. People who are in medicine, um, because it's their divine life path, yeah. they have that sense almost always. I find a lot of medical, whether it's doctors or nurses, they have a sense. They just know when something is off or not right, or even if it's odd or unusual. Um, also, I see that with police. I see it with first responders of all kinds. Um, they just have these hunches, senses, mm-hmm. and they tend to follow them. Yes, which is is even more extraordinary because some folks in other professions may have it, but they don't always follow it. And um, so that's I, I found that to be true. How does someone get to know who their angels are? Well, in order to get to know your angels, you have to be willing to be still um, unless you're just going to like throw yourself in front of a truck and <laughs> oh, make yeah. them save you. <laughs> so um, so you have to learn how to calm yourself to the point where they can get in touch with you because most people have so much going on in their mind they're so 
thinking about, you know, all kinds of mm -hmm. things all the time on a conscious and subconscious level, they just don't leave room for intuitive messages to come in. But angels are pretty persistent. So they will come to people any way they can. One of the things I would do is if I'm flustered or if something throws me off and I just can't tap in for whatever reason, which doesn't happen as much now, but it used to happen more when I was um, earlier psychic, I would just ask for signs. I would just say, I need a sign. And then if I would get a sign, I'd say, I need a bigger sign. And they would just keep giving me signs until I got it, until I got it figured out. But I notice a lot of people just don't even think to ask for signs, mm -hmm. not unless they're already intuitive. So does one have to meditate to communicate with their angels, or can they just sit still and well, talk? <clears throat> in a sense, you kind of do need to meditate, but not, there's not necessarily one sort of way of meditating. You could walk a labyrinth, that's mm -hmm. a type of meditation, or you could do a chant, that's a type of meditation, or you could even get into the zone while you're exercising, that's a form of meditation. But the point is, in order to get messages, you have to quiet the monkey mind. You have to get all that chatter out of your head. So one of the reasons I think it kind of popped for me, the psychic thing, was I had started meditating several years before I became psychic. And I was meditating for an hour to two a day, every day. Not with any intention that I would have some big psychic revelation or anything mm -hmm. like that. I was just doing it because... That was one of the things the doctors recommended when they thought I was a stressed out executive. And I started doing it and I just loved it. And so I was just doing it for my own well-being. At that time, I had no kids. And, you know, I mean, gosh, you know, it's hard to meditate when you got kids. But yeah. anyway, but yes, that that helps. Um, it's not a it's not a requirement, but it does help. Um, I was reading your bio earlier and uh, something, a, a question that you you presented us, and I have to ask you, do you believe in UFOs and are ETs real? Yes, I have seen them. Um, the first time I saw an extraterrestrial, I had absolutely no clue what it was. Uh, it was strange looking to me, and of course my idea of extraterrestrials were sort of like green men with big eyes, but this thing looked like a swamp thing, and I I was on a retreat and I woke up in the middle of the night and I looked up and at the end of the bed was this creature and I just stared at it and it stared at me and I thought, what in the world is that? And I had no idea what it was. It never spoke to me and then it went away and then later I found out it was some sort of an extraterrestrial. But occasionally I see the, the spaceships and they have them cloaked. So normal people, average people can't see them, but psychic people can see through the cloaking pretty easily. So if you can see dead humans, is it possible that you can see dead aliens as well? You know, I never gave that any thought, but I, I guess probably. I mean, but I doubt that they're, you know, because they're in such a different sort of, uh, I don't know. I mean, the ones that come to our reality, mm -hmm. first of all, they're not supposed to be here. So we, there are sanctions on our planet because we're considered a primitive culture. So just like how we, when we find a primitive culture on our planet, we say, oh, no, no, nobody can go bother them, right? right. They're a primitive culture. Well, basically, galactically, we're a primitive culture. <laughs> so we're, no one's supposed to be here messing with our culture. But they do monitor us. They're sort of an intergalactic kind of a police force, almost like a Green Lantern kind of a thing okay. um, that sort of monitors and makes sure we're not, you know, we're not being goobered around with. 
So the only ETs that come here are the ones that are not very good because they're not supposed to be here. So they're, they're like the criminals. Yeah. And they'll um, goober around with people. And so sometimes I'll find people and I'll find just, you know, they'll, they'll be having problems. And then I'll discover like weird stuff going on, wires or chips or just strange things in their energy field. And I'm like, oh, good grief. What is all this junk Ola? And depending on who they are, I, I sometimes I won't even tell them. I'll just remove it. I'll just make it inert and I'll remove it. And then suddenly they're like, gosh, I just feel so much better. And I thought, well, I bet you do. But, you know, I don't want to freak them out. So I just don't even bother to mention it. Uh, we've got about two minutes. Uh, and and I, I was wondering if you could uh, could uh, tell us how you happen to know what happened to the lost colony. You know, it's funny. Um, I... I, I know a woman named Ann Poole. She's a psychic detective in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And she was up here in Virginia doing a class for us, uh, for my students. And um, I, we were eating at dinner one night, and she told me she was working on this with this group of archaeologists on the Lost Colony. And she said, I can't, we can't find them. And I said, she, I said, well, would you like me to take a look? And she said, sure. And so I just went in psychically, and I just went back in time to where the lost colony was to see what happened to them. And what I saw was that they got some sort of a, a plague, some kind of an illness right. and it killed them, started killing them off in droves. And then some sort of a tri- a tribe, some kind of an Indian tribe that was nomadic kind of discovered them in their, you know, a bunch of them died and they came along and they um, burned most of the bodies and then they took some of the survivors, which were children and women who had sequestered themselves away from the other people who were dying, and they absorbed them into their culture. And I told her, I said, you will find an archaeological site that has some English artifacts that came from, I guess, when they came over on whatever ship they came over on, and mixed with some Indian artifacts. And that you would also find records uh, in Jamestown of these Indians with oddly blue and green eyes, which were descendants of these um, white women who were came over, who mated with these Indian men and then had these Indian children with blue and green eyes. And she found it. She found the records. Listen, I, I hate to do this, but the time has come when you and I must say so long for tonight, Ellen. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to the next time you join us back here in the Exxon. And Exonation, if you would like to contact Ellen, you know, get a hold of her by her website and uh, book a one-on-one consultation. The website is www.ellenmalloy.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. I'll see you on the other side of this break. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. ba 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 